What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. Happy Monday morning, October 22nd, week seven of the NFL season. Just about in the books. One game left, the Giants at the Falcons. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. We are here to recap everything that happened in the week that was. And to do so, we're joined by a delightful group of gentlemen, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, and Sean Wagner-McGuff in chronological age order. What's up, guys? How's it going? That's Sean. What's up? Ryan, you can speak. You're not in a hotel room this week. Uh, yeah, thanks for calling me uh, when I asked to be called. That was that was the single most um actually I'm not gonna sugarcoat it was the single best moment in the history of this podcast. I've done this thing daily for like a year and a half now, and by far the best feedback we've gotten from anything we've done, any segment, any guest, any topic was calling Ryan Wilson in a hotel room last last Sunday night and freaking him the bleep out. You you I listened to you swearing and me bleeping it out like 60 times that night. Listened to it made my wife listen to it in the morning. She was laughing. My son was laughing. It was good times, Ryan. I appreciate and I, you leaving the name of the hotel in the podcast, so <laughs> any maniac could have stalked me down and killed me. I think I avoided uh, a, several suspect-looking gentlemen throughout the, the days that followed, so thanks for that. You're welcome. And, and I think we know how the jerky boys got so big, because who knew it was so much fun jerky to just boys. call up someone? Didn't, didn't those guys get famous making prank calls? Oh, absolutely. I have I'm no idea what the yeah. jerky boys Sean are. doesn't know who the jerky boys are. They were sort of well, a 90s phenomenon. Sean, Sean doesn't know how old his mom is, and he doesn't know how old. How, how, uh, your mom doesn't listen to this podcast. What do you care? Um, she might. Your mom's like, Troy Aikman. She's like, what's a podcast? Uh, she oh, could be, that's rude. <laughs> it's rude to Troy Aikman. He got mad about it. Anyway, speaking of rude, John Breach, your Bengals got rudely blasted in the face by the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Dalton uh, Jeff Driscoll was closing out the game for Cincinnati. That's how ugly it got in a game that finished with a 45 to 10 score. Is that right? 45 burger, correct. 45 to 10, which is the same score that the Cardinals got beat by the, wow, that's kind of a little bit of, uh, what do you call that? Uh, synchronicity, right? Or, uh, whatever it is. 45 10 to start, 45 10 to close, one game left. How, where's your head at, John? Cause, um, Again, I can't stress this enough. You, the Bengals got humiliated on Sunday night. You know, when you put the Bengals in prime time, this is what you get. I have my Bengals prime time bingo board. Every time something hits, I take a shot of my Jack Daniels because it's such a disaster every single time. This is nothing new. We've all watched them under the lights. If Chris Collinsworth is announcing the game, the Bengals are losing. It's written in stone. Nothing will ever change. I think... America caught on once they saw Andy Dalton's pick six. Uh, it's a good thing I don't drink when I'm watching Bengals games because I would be slurring all my words right now with as big as disaster. I would be dead. I would be alcohol poisoned and passed out. But, uh, I mean, that was what I expected. I thought the Chiefs would win the game. I know I, I say every week I think the Bengals won. This is the one game I did not think the Bengals were going to win. I, I didn't think they had – a chance. I didn't think they'd lose by 35 points. I will admit that. I thought it would be a little <laughs> bit closer, uh, but no surprise here. Patrick Mahomes just threw the ball over them. It was embarrassing, and I stopped watching like in the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. You guys can talk. Wait, can I ask you? Can I ask you one thing, though, Breach? Yes. What do you think about the takes that the Bengals could have taken Patrick Mahomes, but took John Ross, the guy who plays one game a year uh, before his hamstring pops off? Oh, that's absolute that's, nonsense. 
Yeah, is I mean, it? they took because... Ross at, at the ninth overall, and they could have taken Ooh. Mahomes instead of Ross. But they have Andy Dalton. Uh, the dude led them to the playoffs five straight years, Sean. I'm not sure if you missed that whole thing, if you're too young for that. Uh, but it, starting in his rookie year, he went to the playoffs five straight times. You're not going to draft a quarterback in 2017 and replace a guy who just took you to the playoffs five out of seven years. That's just craziness. Uh, so I don't even think that was an option. I don't think – I don't look at it as the Bengals uh, overlooked Mahomes or should have drafted him. They should have taken John Ross, but they also should not have taken Patrick Mahomes in that situation. John, John, let, me ask, let me ask John this real quick. So last week you were – convinced that there's no way the Bengals are going to beat the Steelers. What is more likely, uh, a Steelers win, what's coming first, a Steelers win or a primetime win with Andy Dalton? Not the second one. I would it, it, The <laughs> Bengals in a 1 p.m. game against the Steelers, I'd give them a shot like last week where you know it was close. But if the Bengals and Steelers were playing in primetime, it would just be my own personal hell. Well, I got bad news for you. Are the, are the Bengals okay, and Steelers... Don't say it. Uh, no, no, the, uh, the Bengals get the Buccaneers at home at one o'clock next week. That is a game. I, I love, love the Bengals in that spot. I don't know what the line is. I'll, I'll try and figure it out for you. Um, I think it's six. Love the Bengals in that spot. Ooh. That's a, that's a, no, that's a prime bounce back spot. The Buccaneers are terrible. God awful. The defense play, we'll, we'll get to that in the game in a minute. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I freak out about this game if I'm a Bengals fan because, you, they went up there and they laid an egg and you get it out of your system. By the way, one of the worst over under beats you'll ever see in your entire life. It was, it was open up at 58 and a half, bet down to 56. People were hitting the under. Um, Andy Reid has the ball in fourth and four inside the red zone at the goal line basically. Decides not to kick, runs a running play with Spencer Ware to basically give the ball back to Marvin Lewis. And at that point Marvin Lewis is like, I'll throw Jeff Driscoll out there. Let's get out of here. I, I mean, if you if you took the over, you're you're you want to kill somebody. Um, you know it happens in, in gambling sometimes. I will say this: watching Marvin Lewis watch his team lose thirty eight to ten is really enjoyable. Like he's just standing there, 40, like forty five to 10. forty five to ten. No, but it was thirty eight ten at the time, and he's just he's just standing there. He's like. He's like, he's like got his, he's like mouth, like they're cutting to like, they're cutting to Mike Brown and then back to Marvin Lewis and cutting to Mike Brown, his mouth's open. He's sort of trying to figure something out. He's like, what are you trying to figure out, Coach? He's, you're getting, you're, you're getting smoked here. This thing is over. Get out of here. Um, conversely, Ryan Wilson, the Steelers are now in first place of the AFC North. <laughs> and they didn't You are first place Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, you're you went from getting prank called in the hotel room at midnight <laughs> to the Steelers being in first place pretty quick. How's it feel? Well, I went through several weeks of being trolled by you, which I'm used to, but Sean, I mean, there's no no situation on planet Earth where he should be trolling anybody. I've been feeling so, bad about these. Like I've been seeing these. Like it's like don't bully on the on the don't bully right, ads yeah. on the TV. I feel like I've been getting like Sean. You've been and bullying uh, an older person, an older <laughs> gentleman in your group, and that's that's even worse than bullying young folks. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. They're three, two, and one, which isn't a fantastic record. Suddenly, the Ravens and Bengals came back to earth a little bit. They're four and three, and honestly, the percentage points difference. I think it's five eighty three winning percentage for the Steelers and five seventy one for the other two teams. So we'll see. They play the Browns coming out. Uh, they're on the bye this week. Next week they play the Browns. I think they play the Ravens after that. So we'll we'll get a clear indication pretty quickly of exactly where they're at. The Steelers are terrible out out of their bye, which is sort of makes sense if you see them at the beginning of seasons when they don't show up. So I guess the good news is the Browns have actually gotten worse since the start of the season. Um, they've blown many opportunities to win football games, including today. I'm sure we'll talk four, about that. Four overtime games. Four. Yeah. 
Four. And if they didn't have Hugh Jackson, there would probably be zero overtime games, and those games probably more than more than likely would have been wins. But what are you going to do? So here we are. No Le'Veon Bell. We don't know when he's coming back. Perhaps after the October 30th trade deadline is passed, so he can't be traded. Which honestly seems kind of stupid because you can work out a long-term deal with uh, a team not named Pittsburgh if you just show up and sign your tender, and they can talk to other teams. But I don't know what his plan is, but they seem okay with James Conner. The defense seems slightly better. I'll be honest. I wish Le'Veon would show up. They could trade a second-round pick for him, and then they could turn that second-round pick around and trade for Patrick Peterson because I would do whatever it takes to get Patrick Peterson because I feel like that would be a huge difference maker you know, down the stretch for a team that currently starts Artie Burns. Mm, not a bad plan. Uh, Sean, do you want to add anything on your, your, uh, your, your love for Patrick Mahomes? I think he clearly reestablished himself as the, uh, front runner for the MVP award on, on Sunday night with another big performance. Um, but more importantly, perhaps in the AFC North, unless you want to add something about Patrick Mahomes. Thanks for giving me the chance to open up there. Um, I'll just say that the most encouraging thing about the Chiefs is probably their, their defense. Um, we know Patrick Mahomes can do that, but the Bengals offense has, has been pretty good this year and to hold them to 10 points and to make them look that bad, that useless. Um, Ryan's giving me a weird look. What, you thought Did the you Chiefs hear anything John just said about primetime Andy Dalton? The Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs, the, the four of us can tell the Bengals to 10 the, Chief, the Chiefs John. defense has been bad, but it hadn't been like historically bad. Like Tampa Bay and Oakland and, uh, Atlanta and Detroit all worse by DVOA. And you can see incremental progress by the Chiefs. I, I would expect the Chiefs, I would expect that the Chiefs are the number one overall team in DVOA next week, um, because of this beatdown. And I would expect that their defense jumps into that like 20 to 25 range. Brenton, I just want to say that because you specifically said they haven't been historically bad, when in fact, before this week, they were on track to have give up the most yardage in NFL history. So they had been historically bad to an extent, but in the Chiefs' defense, I actually think they're a lot better than most people give them credit for because a lot of those yards have been garbage time when they've been up two times. I mean, Blake Bortles threw for like 700 yards, and the Jaguars had no chance of winning that game. So well, that's like that's why this is – John, this is a smart podcast. We reference things like DVOA that use leverage-based scenarios and not these garbage time stats. By the way, you lost 45 to 10. Uh, moving hey, along to let, the – Let me say something real quick. <laughs> and I wrote about this in takeaways, which I'm sure you guys have all read. Uh, if the – I like how you use takeaways to, to poke fun at John too. But here's Ryan's title for takeaways. Just, just really quick. Chiefs versus Bengals final score takeaways. Mahomes, Kansas City dropped 45, 45 points on helpless Dalton in Cincinnati. <laughs> were they? Were... <laughs> That's by the way, Ryan's second best takeaways headline. His best being in the Super Bowl a few years ago when he oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Dallas. Uh, I had a headline that should have wound up on Deadspin. Yeah, we'll it, was, it was like, uh, I, I remember Manny Broncos ride something. <laughs> Broncos ride Big D to <laughs> Peyton did, not the Broncos. Peyton rides dumb. Peyton rides Denver D to big win. Yeah. <laughs> Who's with me? Anyway, my point before you guys took this podcast into the gutter was that uh if the Chiefs get home field advantage, no one's beating them, right? I mean there's no one there's no way the Patriots are coming into to yeah. Arrowhead and winning the football game. Chargers last, fully healthy Chargers that? team could do it. Patriots could do so it. Here we go. The Chargers. Will you stop it? <laughs> Chargers should have lost to the Titans in London. We'll get to that game in a second. Um, I think. I, it, I, go ahead, Sean. I, I think it works both ways. I think between the Chiefs and the Patriots, whoever has home field, I'm taking in that game. So I agree with you. You could have just said you agreed. You have to add your little part about the Patriots. Everyone knows that, Sean. <laughs> um, I mean, I could see. Look, I could see the Chargers 
the uh, Steelers, the Ravens, or the Patriots getting hot and coming in there and beating the Chiefs? Well, this team is currently constituted. Now with Alex Smith, the 2017 version that crapped the bed for the last two months. No, I mean, I obviously mean this this team. Yeah, because last year they lost to the Titans in the in the playoffs, which, right. I mean, that's inexcusable. That was, yeah, that's right. That is inexcusable. Um, all right. So elsewhere in the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, this is just, this is a dagger. I had the Ravens money line in a parlay, had the Ravens minus two and a half in the super contest. They're winning the whole game. Looks like they're going to close it out. Then they give up their first and second, second half touchdowns of the season, both to Drew Brees. Alvin Kamara rushes one in, uh, both to Drew Brees and the Saints, that is. And the, then the, the Joe Flacco marches down the field, hits John Brown. I feel like 55 pass interference penalties, hits John Brown wide open in the corner of the end zone. Bang, boom, bing. We're going to overtime. And Justin Tucker shanks an extra point. John, this is your wheelhouse. The Maybe the greatest kicker of all time in, in NFL history in terms of accuracy. Ryan saying second behind Jim Breach, obviously. Um, no offense to your dad. All respect. Uh, Justin Tucker shanks the first extra point of his career. What, you, what was your thought? I mean, that was literally the most shocking kick that I've watched in person probably in the past 10 years. You don't even think about it. Were you there? Justin Tucker winds up to kick an extra point. You're already thinking about overtime. You're thinking about how's this game going to play out. And then well, you, that's the face. That's, you, said, I, you said in person. <laughs> uh, well, on TV. <laughs> that where I was actually watching the game. No, I mean, it was like, it was like, all right, this is, you know, this perfunctory, just go there and bang the thing home, and it just, it just sailed right on. It was crazy, and then he he did make an incredible face. He gave he was like he looked like he looked like he was watching. That, he like that's the face you make the first time you watch Usual Suspects. Like you no, can't right. you yeah, can't believe like a, what's happening. Yeah, or like or Six Sense or something. Yeah, Six yeah. Sense, right? John, so what happened with the football? Because it looked to be true from. 20 yards out and then from yards 22 to 25 it took like a sharp right turn have you ever seen anything like that yeah it's one of those you just kind of you get over it and you hit it so hard that it's like uh you the a slice li- listeners can't see my hand it's not <laughs> even a slice it's kind of hard to, uh to a describe push, a push slice it, i mean he was shocked by the way it sliced i mean that's the thing that's why he made that face because when the kick started it was going right down the middle and then it just kind of hooked left and he was absolutely confused that the kick did that. He wasn't expecting it. All his kicks go right down the middle, and that thing went down the middle for about 10 yards and then just did some crazy stuff, some some New Orleans voodoo there. It also, but he looked like – I mean, that looked true. I, I can't. I don't know how he missed it. But he had a field goal earlier that went right over the top of the right goalpost that looked – I mean, it was, it was good, but it, it was as tight as a make as I've seen from Justin Tucker from short distance. I don't know if that had anything to do with it because it, the, the last kick was, I mean, it couldn't have been more straight when it started out, but I mean, it was a weird, it's a weird way to lose when Joe Flacco is usually the guy you're blaming. If you would have asked me this morning, what was more likely to happen today? Sean getting married or Justin Tucker missing <laughs> an extra point. I will tell you, I would not pick Justin Tucker missing an extra point. That's how crazy this was. You got two hours, Sean. <laughs> That's I'm with I'll, you. I'll, I'll... I'm jumping off this podcast right now, then and working on it. No, I mean, like you don't, you like you're not even just like get engaged. You got to get married. So like you you're, would have, you would have two hours. You have three hours to like go get to Vegas. Yeah, I guess you can go. Yeah. You get to Vegas. My parents, my parents live in Vegas, so I got a place to stay. How's your parents? They could be in, there. Your parents live in Vegas and Hawaii. Yeah, they they split time. We don't have to get into this. No one wants to listen about. <laughs> no one wants to listen to this. I think they kind of do. 
Um, Are your parents Celine Dion? They do. They have seen Celine Dion in Vegas. Your mom is. Of course, of course they have. I don't but know they how. Did that, they did that years ago when we went to visit Vegas for a soccer game. I don't know how old Madonna is. Um, does Madonna perform in Vegas? Who knows? Anyway, uh, the, the the Ravens. I, I still the Ravens are really good. Um, but I don't know. That's just, that's a bad loss. I mean, it's, it's not. A, I don't know. It's not like a crippling loss. It's just that seems like a loss that could damage your psyche a little bit. Am I am I crazy there? No, they should have lost that game. I mean, the uh, Saints should have lost that game. They haven't won. I know that Drew Brees has never won against the Ravens going back to 06 when he joined the Saints. I think they've only played three times maybe. But uh, they're not a good outdoor team. Uh, the Ravens, as you pointed out, their defense is, uh, I think, one, two, or three, according to Football Outsiders, one of the best. The offense well, Aaron, has some Aaron, Aaron Schatz was tweeting during that game. He's like, the Ravens are likely to be, bar- he's like, barring a barrage of Saints points. Given what happened to the Bills and given what happened to the Bears, who both got a ton of points scored on them, even now the Ravens will still likely be the number one DVOA team in defense. So there should have been, under no circumstances, should the should the uh, the Saints have scored twenty four points is what I'm saying in M&T Bank Stadium, uh, given that they were playing outdoors and all that goes along with it with the Saints uh, balance with the with the Ravens offense for the first time in forever. But you never expect to lose because Justin Tucker, and, and that's weirdly what happened. Saints now five and one. Right there, as uh, with the Rams, as one of the best teams in the uh, in the NFC. I believe those teams play on in November fourth too. We get Saints and Rams. That could that game could decide home field advantage in the NFC playoffs. All right, final game in the AFC North. As we mentioned, the Browns went to overtime in Tampa and lost to the Buccaneers. Um, Sean, who's a worse coach, Dirk Cutter or Hugh Jackson? Uh, it's Hugh Jackson. But for the for the record, after the game, Hugh Jackson comes out and says. He needs to get more involved with the Browns offense, which is pretty much like the worst, you know, double blow that you can have. You lose an overtime off a 57 yard field goal. And then your coach, Hugh Jackson says, I got to involve myself more. That's what's going to fix this. So I think that is, that's concerning. If look, I'm not a huge Todd Haley fan necessarily, but I don't think anyone thinks they should be taking power away from Todd Haley, at least in terms of play calling, handing it to Hugh Jackson. That would be like my, uh, that would be like my wife being like, I need to get more involved in our finances. Like, no, nah, I don't think so. That's probably not a good <laughs> idea. Um, I'm not going to criticize your wife or something <laughs> I don't know about. But moving on, um, Dirk Cotter, by the way, almost cost his team the game right before they're lining up for a 57-yard field goal with two minutes left. He throws his challenge flag. And I'm not sure what he was challenging. It was a 12-yard or 14-yard completion to Deshaun Jackson to get them on the edge of field goal range. As his team is lining up for the field goal, he throws a challenge flag, and the officials come over and have to tell him you're not allowed to challenge a play in overtime. And only because they had one timeout left, it didn't result in a 15-yard penalty. All he ended up doing was ice his kicker because it took the officials a few minutes to sort out what was happening. And so, one, he gets lucky that he had a timeout left because if he doesn't have a timeout left, and I guarantee you he had no idea if he had a timeout left or not. He did not know the rules if he was allowed to challenge a play or not. <laughs> so if he doesn't have that timeout left, there's something on the edge of field goal range. Or, sorry, they're 73 yards away from a field goal. And then it's fourth and 30, so it's not like you can go for it, so you're punting. And it's a tie at best. It's a it's a loss if the Browns can go downfield. They all, he's also lucky that, look, if they miss that kick – we're spending this time talking about how he accidentally iced his own kicker. Mm. So he got lucky twice there. No one's going to really talk about it. I watched his press conference. There wasn't a single question about it um, because the Bucks won, and no one really cares about that. Uh, but how a coach doesn't know the rules, I mean, that's that's Hugh Jackson-esque. Like, that, you would think that would have happened to Hugh Jackson. It didn't. 
I'm still saying Hugh Jackson's a worse coach simply because he can't win a game, but uh, disappointing on both sides. He's won two games, Sean. Excuse me. Would you, uh, Breach, would you rather have Hugh Jackson as your coach? Or, or- Acorn. <laughs> <Nate Gordon. laughs> I would go with the acorn because then Haley and Greg Williams have total control and they would win games. You know what Sean just said about his post game press conference Thank about you. him saying, I need to get more involved. Like, dude, you were more involved in 2017 and you went 0 and 16 <laughs> and you were more involved the year before that. And you went one in 15. How could you getting more involved to make anything better? So that is like, is, when, when Sean told me he said that, it just kind of blew my mind there. Cause that makes no sense. That's not going to help anything. I love, like, I love the idea of like, 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 uh, like, no, like John Dorsey walking up to the podium after each Brown's loss and he sets his little acorn on the podium. <laughs> and he's like, like, we'll be taking questions now. By the way, could you John. also, could you also, how do you pronounce acorn again? Eggcorn, apparently. Is Jaguars and Did you say eggcorn? <laughs> Did you say that again? Just say acorn again? <laughs> Sorry, I had something in my throat. What? Could you say you acorn? Heard. Say acorn again. Please. I refuse to pronounce any words on on <laughs> you demand did, anymore. It sounded like you said egg corn. Jaguars egg corn. do not eat. That's egg what corn. I thought he said, and I was about to have to ask you guys what that was. I was like googling egg Nobody corn. Does, yeah. uh, it's half egg, half corn. It's a breakfast thing I ate as a kid. <laughs> and it's better coach than Hugh Jackson. Uh, I was gonna, I was going to ask, would you rather have Hugh Jackson or Jason Garrett as your head coach? Oh God, that would have been even more harder than the egg corn question. Uh, I'd rather have you know Jackman. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jason Garrett. That whole thing was a total disaster. All anybody's going to remember because of that silly, silly call. And let me just tell you that that was the silliest call I've ever seen called on a long snapper in my entire life. Well, just, well, just, snapper. just to set, just to set it up for everybody in case they didn't see it. The, uh, the Washington Redskins eked out a victory 20 to 17 over the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Jason Garrett elected to run a draw out of a, uh, out of a review with one timeout left in 12 seconds instead of spiking it as his ex quarterback, Tony Romo was describing on CBS how he should spike and throw it deep. They're in the draw. They get called for a false start of the long snapper, get a 52-yard penalty, 52-yard kick instead of a 47-yarder, doink city, and there you have it. Yeah, and so the long snapper got – because so every long snapper, before they snap a field goal, they kind of twitch the football. Everyone does that. They showed at the halftime of the Bengals-Chiefs game, NBC showed a highlight that the Cowboys long snapper had, in fact, done it on every single extra point and field goal in this game, and that was the only one they called the penalty on was the last one, and it's because the Reds can jump off sides. And really all it does is open this can of worms that anytime you see the long snapper twitch the football to get ready to snap it, which – in the past, the NFL has always allowed, uh, you just jump off sides and they're going to throw a flag. So for that, I don't want Hugh Jackson still. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ryan, do you think there's any chance? So I've got a buddy who listens to this podcast, my, my friend Blaine, and he thinks his theory is just that the um, – Blaine, I text a lot. Of, he, I just – no, I'm shaking my head because I just don't believe you have a friend. Okay. Blaine will tweet – Blaine. Sh- you tweet at at Sean J Wagner and tell him that you are my friend Blaine. Is um, it Blaine Gabbert? 
It is Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. Uh. He needs he needs some friends. Uh, he needs some football podcasts in his life too. Anyway, uh, by the way, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review, and uh, feel free to leave a, uh, a little note on those reviews. We always like those. Anyway, Blaine's theory is that, and I think it makes sense, that the Cowboys are going to fire Jason Garrett and chase after Lincoln Riley, uh, the Oklahoma head coach who would make sense in that Sean McVay mold. Um, but do you think, Ryan, that there's actually a chance that Jason Garrett can get himself fired? He's, he might have cost himself two wins this year with uh, with his cowardly lion type of play. Well, what does he have to do to get himself fired beyond what he's done already? I mean, Jerry Jones keeps saying that, you know, we should be more aggressive and uh, – I didn't mean what I said when I said we should be more aggressive. So I don't know what we're doing. Uh, you know, he goes back and forth with Jerry, uh, with his Jason Garrett nonsense. Uh, we work with Jared Dubin, who's a huge Cowboys guy, and he spends roughly eight hours on Sunday just <laughs> get sticking the knife into Jason Garrett every chance he gets. Garrett is terrible, and it, is beyond, it blows my mind that in this day and age, when we have so many coaches who are becoming more aggressive uh, and doing forward-thinking things when they go for it on fourth down. That Garrett's default fallback is to punt no matter what. Wherever we are on the field, fourth and one, fourth and 20, uh, you know, on the other team's 40 yard line, we're punting. Just get out there and punt and do it. And, um, you know, no one seems to say anything. I, I don't know what he, what else he has to do to get fired. This team is three and four. They're probably a three and four football team, but they could be four and three. And in a division that's not great, losing stupid games like that, I mean, it should cost you your job, but he's been there nine years. So I don't know. What's it? What else has you got to do? Uh, he could, um, I don't know, like, call, uh, he could call acorns eggcorns. I would fire him for that. <laughs> That's a fireable event. Yeah. He could, he could, uh, I mean, he could like, uh, pee on Emmett Smith's, uh, Hall of Fame bust or something. That would, that could have fired. Maybe. He could, uh, he could like. I, I don't know. I've seen some Jerry Jones pictures that might not get him fired. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Yikes. If he does it on the party bus, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty standard behavior. Um, no, I mean, look, I, I, I think with Jay, Jay, here's the thing. They were down, the Cowboys were down two scores and you kind of, you hadn't checked out in the game because they had the ball and, and, you know, anything can happen in the modern NFL. But, you know, it's like, all right, Dallas, Washington's defense is playing well enough. This game is over. They're not going to storm back on them. And they let Dak just kind of be Dak and kind of wing it around. Washington's playing prevent defense. He moves the ball up and down. They score quickly and then they get the ball back. And then Jason Garrett's butt just clinches up and he plays to tie. I mean, like he's just got a full blown case of lemon booty and he just he wouldn't willing to give us shot down the field and again tony romo his ex-quarterback is explaining on our air on our on our with jim nance like jim nance is like uh the math says there's two shots here right tony and he's like yeah i mean you definitely spike it and then run a slant or you know take a shot down the field and see if you can get closer give yourself some kind of look and jason garrett just didn't do that and you just have to wonder like because Jason Lockerford says all the time on this podcast, he's like Jason Garrett. I mean, Jerry Jones loves having Jason Garrett because he knows that Jason Garrett won't ever like clap back about anything. He's just going to take what Jerry gives him and keep moving. Um, at some point, though, if you're Jerry, don't you want to win a title again? Don't I mean like you won because you had Jimmy Johnson there, not because. Yeah, but he hates Jimmy Johnson because Jimmy Johnson tells everyone that Jerry Jones had zero to do with those titles. So well, maybe he prefers terrible football, where he can say. You can walk around and move a shirt collar and say, I'm doing this and doing that. Even I mean, though they're but what is the empirical, do you think, do you think the empirical evidence indicates that it was Jimmy Johnson or Jerry Jones? Cause I think it's pretty clear it was Jimmy Johnson who set up the Cowboys for success. And yeah, then, but Jerry's writing the checks and he wants some credit. I mean, that's sure. the bottom line. You're asking me why he's doing what he's doing. I'm telling you. All right. So does, do you think Jason Garrett gets fired? He should, but Jerry hasn't fired him yet. I don't know what he, like I just said, I don't know what he has to do. Wait, I think he needs to go like 
four and twelve. I think as long as he hovers around mediocrity, he's fine. But I think once it becomes a problem where like everyone in Dallas, even not hardcore football fans, look and they say we just went three and thirteen with Zeke. I think that's when it becomes when it becomes more of a PR problem. Um, but as long as he's winning seven to nine games, I don't think he's getting fired. All right. Speaking of uh, teams that are not winning games, the running back they drafted high, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jaguars, if you're a normal human being, breach, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars lost their third straight game in a row, falling 20 to seven at home as five point favorites to the Houston Texans. In a game that propelled the Texans to the top of the AFC South, the Jaguars did failed to score a point in the first half of their game for the for the third straight game. That's the first time in their illustrious craptastic pile of a franchise history they've ever done that, which is saying something because this was the worst team in football for a decade, and they actually had some pretty good runs. But the Jaguars zero points. In the first half of the last three games, there's a report from Mark Long of the Associated Press that when the Jaguars locker room was open very briefly after the game, Calais Campbell, this is quote, Calais Campbell's holding back fellow defensive end Yannick Ngakwe, a carryover from the screaming, shouting, and finger pointing that ensued after the loss. This is Jalen Ramsey. You all walk in here. You all see how it is. You all see the vibe with each other. You all see how we vibe towards the coaches. You all see how it is. It is no secret what's going on here right now. Ain't nobody going to say it because we can't, but it ain't no secret what's going on, and it ain't right right now. Are the Jaguars, Sean, careening into a crevasse of mediocrity themselves? Uh, Leonard Fournette, they're running back, out with a hamstring. Blake Bortles benched at halftime for Cody Kessler. Too bad they hadn't traded for Teddy Bridgewater. I think they definitely are trending towards mediocrity. I mean, how can you say they're not when they're three and four? That being said, I would still pick them to win the division, I think, today, just because I don't believe in any of the other teams. Um, I don't think Blake Bortles is going to get significantly better. Why should we expect that? I mean, he's capable of hot stretches of play, but this is pretty much who he's been throughout his career, just a very inconsistent quarterback, usually bad with a couple stretches where he plays well. I think, I don't, I think the defense is too talented to play this poorly. Um, so I think that's what I think will get fixed. And look, the Texans, we talked about it last week. They were on the worst three-game winning streak in NFL history. Now I don't they're, know if this now they're on the worst four-game winning streak. Yeah, I, this win to me doesn't say much about the Texans. Um, it says more about how just kind of how the Jaguars have spiraled, uh, how their season's spiraling away. Um, look, the Titans didn't look that good. I just, I think this division, so it's funny because last year we were tricked into thinking, oh, the AC South sneakily got good overnight. And, you know, it used to be that nine win Texans division. And I think maybe it kind of went back to that. And it, last year was just an aberration. Um, and you're right. It's, it, it's, it's horrible because everyone outside of Jacksonville spent the entire offseason talking about how they needed to upgrade a quarterback. And so I don't think people should feel bad for the Jaguars that suddenly they're held back by bad quarterback play because everyone on the planet knew they needed an upgraded quarterback and they got complacent because they got tricked into thinking their defense could be that historically dominant and take away the ball at that rate and get sacks at that rate that they were getting last year. And as soon as the defense reverts back to a normal defense, Blake Bortles isn't good enough to contribute. And so I, I don't, I don't have any sympathy for them. They should have went out. They had. Chances to draft a quarterback in years past. They had chances to target a quarterback in free agency or trade, and they chose not to do that. This is on them. Um, I don't even blame Bortles. Blake Bortles is a bad quarterback. He can't help it. He's trying his best. He's just never going to be good. It's not his fault. Like, he's just a bad quarterback. Is he trying his best, though? I would hope so. 
I mean, he's Here's starting, the thing. He, he's a chance to start in the NFL when he doesn't deserve a chance to start in the NFL. I would hope that he's trying his best. Blake Bortles is the reason that team did as well as it did in the playoffs, by the way. I mean, he, he helped. He had a lot to do with why they beat the Steelers. He had, he did everything right against the Patriots and the, and the defense turtled up. So I, I mean, Blake Bortles is garbage, but it's not like the, the Jaguars, it was clear to them that they had to move on from Blake Bortles because he played extremely well in January. And, um, the defense is still good. They're like top five. They're just, if they're not one, they're not going to win, and we continue to see that. And I don't know why you think they're going to fix it. Um, they're spiraling and losing, and the Texans are terrible in winning four games in a row. So it seems to me <laughs> that the Texans are sort of the favorites. By the way, I picked the Texans to win at the beginning of the season, so I'll ride that train until it. What a what a what a what a turn this last month has been for you, right. Ryan Wilson. Great. <laughs> it's been hot. We're just mocking you over the Steelers, mocking you the Texans. You got the your Giants. You're playing tomorrow night too, or tonight too. Excuse me. Um, but uh, by the way, like the thing about the Jaguars that's so unbelievable to me, Breach, is that it's not unbelievable. It's just uh, like the last, three, like if you get them down ten nothing, it's over. You put them in the corner, you punch them with two times, and they drop like flies, and it's just over. Like they can't come back at all. And they trade for Carlos Hyde on Friday. I'm not sure that's going to fix it. It's great, you got another body, but like if the defense isn't stopping people early and they can't score early, they can't win football games. Yeah, and, and you look at only scoring seven points against Houston, only scoring scoring seven points against the Cowboys. They're averaging nine points per game over the past three weeks and I know we've ripped on Bortles but I'm going to combine Sean and Ryan's point right here is that Bortles was trash last season then he has this run in the playoffs where he's just amazing and it's that run why we are here today because one month after they got eliminated they signed him to an extension they doubled down and said hey you know what we're gonna we're gonna ride the Bortles train for the next three years we're gonna give this dude an extension if he doesn't have those two playoff games I don't think he gets that extension and and then you're at a spot where hey maybe we can get rid of him uh, but they blew it. They had the chance to move on. They had a chance to bring in a quarterback, which clearly, as Sean said, was everybody knew that was their one issue this offseason. And they said, no, we're going to give this guy $54 million and three more years. And so it, it blew up in their face, and they deserve everything they're getting right now. And real quick on the Texans, I can't wait until nine weeks from now when we're like, this team is on the worst 13-game winning streak <laughs> I've ever seen in NFL history because we keep knocking them. But they keep winning, and that division's bad right now, and ugly wins might end up winning it. Um, really quickly, I agree. I, before, I just don't want to forget this. It's, I just happened to notice this after we moved past the Browns game. The Browns had a drive on Sunday. Do you guys know about this? Fire Hugh Jackson. No, I mean, this is incredible. Do you, know, do you know about this drive that they had on Sunday? Ten plays, 104 yards, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't score. What? How? What why, is it, why is that Todd Haley's fault? How do you do that? That's incredible. And the uh, solution the is Hugh Jackson takes more power. <laughs> they, they got 25 yards of penalties, and they ended up on that. Remember, they, they were fourth down and one. They tried to sneak oh, in Baker Mayfield against stuff. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I think the Jaguars can bounce back. That's why I like the trade of Carlos Hyde because you have the, you needed to get a some insurance for Fournette. Be some like preventive insurance for Fernandez in case he can't come back. And I, I think Ian Rappaport of uh, of NFL Media had a report on Sunday morning that it's going to be two weeks. But like Fernandez's not going to be back until after the bye. And so the Jaguars have to stack some wins. Now you can get to. I think if you get to nine and seven, you can still end up winning this division pretty easily. But but for but for Jacksonville, I mean the times get a little bit tight, and you know this the schedule is not necessarily like they play the Eagles at home. 
on uh, – oh, no, well, so no, no, that's no, no, in no. London. It's in London. Oh, my God. You're right. I got to fix my story. Um, uh, but, <laughs> and you know who's a superstar in London? You know who hasn't lost in London in three years? You know who averages like four touchdown passes a game in London? Blake Bortles, baby. Blake Bortles. You know, he, starting. What I was right. what I was, was going to say is that the, the Texans are super lucky that the Jaguars-London game is next week and not this week. Because how are they going to get Deshaun Jackson or Deshaun Watson to the game if it was in London? Oh are God. they going to put him on a boat like a leave a week in advance? Like, that's, that's he the couldn't most, get on an airplane. Like it's the most insane thing. So submarine. It, for those who don't know, like the Deshaun Watson had to take a like so he's just he, he had to take a bus from a Houston bus ride. to Jacksonville, twelve hour bus ride by himself. Like he just he just rode like ride Deshaun Watson just riding a Greyhound from Houston to Jacksonville. Like that's that's the worst Greyhound bus like like combo of cities you could possibly take a Greyhound to. Too. I mean, like if you have to ride a Greyhound. So Deshaun Watson's he can't get on an airplane because they're worried that his partially collapsed lung, the pressure of being up in the air, might cause it to collapse even further. Then they're like, all right, ride this bus for twelve hours and then get smashed around in football. I mean, like this it's 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 borderline like malpractice and negligence, but nevertheless, the Texans are Andy, going along with one. it. By the way, you're underselling the fact that this Jaguars defense, talking about all this bouncing back, they're a train wreck. Jalen Ramsey seems to have lost his mind, uh, and Duque's <laughs> trying to trying to fight people. Uh, Clayus Campbell's the voice of reason, which makes sense. He seems like a team leader, but he may be the only team leader in that locker room. Blake Bortles ain't anyone you're listening to if he says something, you know. Hey guys, let's uh let's settle down a little bit. You're like, shut up, Blake. I mean, you know. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like Jalen Ramsey got burnt twice pretty bad uh in the game. He the, looks like the, he the Texas, doesn't want to be Texas, there. The Texans ran a third down draw in the red zone and scored a rushing touchdown with it. I mean, the Texans can't run on anybody, and they they managed to pull that off. And the forty burger last week. Not to mention, this was a Texans team that allowed Deshaun Watson to get hit, I think, 70 times through the first six games, and they only got five hits on him. Nice. And I know he only passed, like, something like 25 times, but still. I thought that, that to me, this was like a get-right game for me. I thought this was when the Jaguars' pass rush was going to come alive, and it was the complete opposite. Yeah, 90 points allowed the last three weeks for the Jaguars. Um, 30 to the Chiefs, that's one thing. 40 to the Cowboys, <laughs> and 20 to the Texans, who are, who you should blow out at home. Um, they, and they have managed to score 28 in that same time span. It's a very bad look for them. I, I, you're right, I agree. I thought this would be like that Jets win, uh, the last game in September where they won 31-12. That's not the case. After their bye, they're at Indianapolis, the Steelers at home, at the Bills, and then the Colts at home. Um, and then they have two more divisional games. Like you have to sweep the Colts if you want to have a shot at this, at this division. I think, right? How do they beat the Patriots? Is what I'm asking myself right now. In the playoffs? That's, I mean, no, no. Two, no oh, how did ago. they? Right? Yeah, me too. I mean, Patriots weren't the Patriots. I mean, they got blown out by the Lions. So. I mean, that loss could be the difference between the Patriots having home field in Kansas City. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't. I mean, I suspect that the Jaguars can beat the Colts twice. They can beat the Steelers when they come there in two weeks or whenever that is. But I don't know where you start. What's, what's, what's the first thing you do? I mean, you've benched Bortles. Uh, Breach is pointing out that he's amazing in London, which is probably why uh, Chad Constant trying to move the team to London for five years now. Uh, but the defense is a hot mess. I like. I don't know what, what's the first thing you fix, and it's going to be fixed in six days. Here's uh, here's what Doug Marone said when he was asked if uh, Blake is the starting quarterback. It's open. 
And I'm going to try to do my best baloney Maroney accent. It's open. Right, who's the starter at right tackle? Who's the starter at center? Who's the starter at receiver? Who's the starter? Everything is open. We've lost three straight games. We can't stop shooting ourselves in the foot, for lack of a better expression. Where's my baloney? Um, he didn't actually That was Prisco, by the way. That wasn't they're the same person. He didn't say anything about <laughs> he didn't. He said one short and more t- one short and more tan. Um, he didn't say anything about Baloney actually. He's like we, you know, he, he basically said everything's open at this point because the Jaguars are playing so poorly. Uh, a lot of time for a bounce back in in, in this particular. Could they? Um, not to extend the Jaguars' talk, but do you think they could trade for like a Tyrod? Or I mean, Tyrod is definitely tradable. They're not trading for a quarterback this. They year. have they have hunkered down in this Bortles thing. Well, that was before the game. That was before. That, you think they're shocked that, by what happened? <laughs> They've seen that guy practice. By the way, Prisco. Well, I mean, they give him an extension. Like, I don't think they should be shocked, but I wouldn't be shocked if they were shocked. Like, they clearly mismanaged the situation from the start. Frisco came on this podcast. And I can't remember if it was on air or off air, but he's like, he's like, they saw your trade piece down in Jacksonville. They're laughing at you. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, like I don't, I don't care if they laugh at me. Like they're the ones who signed Blake Bortles to an extension. They just lost to a guy with uh, half a lung. Right. And Brinson, you got so many hate tweets about that. I just remember you retweeting <laughs> so many fans in Jacksonville so, were just trash talking you left and right. And now it's like, I see that grin on your face. Yeah, I'm sure, but like, the Rams were the number one team on that list because for the same reason the Saints were high up there. And the same reason the Saints traded for, for Teddy Bridgewater. Because if Drew Brees gets hurt, you have to have a backup plan. And it's like, it's not Cody a- Cody Kessler. But it's like, if Blake Bortles, it's not if Blake Bortles gets hurt, it's like if Blake Bortles sucks, you have to have a backup plan so you don't waste this defense and waste this running game and waste this offensive line. Right. And they didn't do that and it's costing them right now. And people were like saying to you, oh, but he has to learn a new system and has to start right away. It's like, no, you could sit him right. until this happens. And you know what? Today on Sunday, he would have came into the game. Right. And not like he definitely would have brought you back or anything, but he would have at least given you a, at least give you a plan some, B. Right. Dude. Yeah. Like, what's the line? Hope is not a plan. Okay. You can't hope. Rebellions are built on hope. That's. It's terrible. I want to edit that out. I thought uh, we banned Star Wars references. Look at this, go- look at this goober. Ever used one. This goober's sitting on his college futon laughing hysterically because he's making <laughs> Star Wars jokes. I got this futon from Ikea. It was on sale for $90. Who said you hope? Like, you like that? Uh, hope is not a strategy. That's what it is. And that's from some yeah. like war book. But yeah, like you can't hope that Blake Bortles gets like stops being Blake Bortles. You know what I mean? Like he can get hot and play well. He did it for little stretches last year, but they, they're, Ryan's right. Their, their defense isn't good. Their running game isn't functional right now. Maybe Carlos Hyde comes back and, and gets ready, but I, I don't know. I, I just think the Jaguars, you want to sell on the Jaguars right now if you're, if you're trying to buy any sort of stock in, uh, in various teams. I think you would also probably sell on the Buffalo Bills. I don't know. They scored five points with Derek Anderson. Uh, they lost 37 to five to the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts, by the way, uh, picked up their second win on Sunday by beating those Bills. 37 to 5. Did anyone uh, watch any of this game? Jacoby Brissett was involved in knees. Marlon Mack, 19 carries, 126 yards. I took the Colts in the second half because we thought that Nathan Peterman was coming in. They ended up being Derek Anderson, but the Colts won anyway. Uh, Chester Rogers, four catches, 40 yards. Andrew Luck threw for 156 yards and four touchdowns. This was just a – I mean, this is how bad the Bills are. The, the Colts just manhandled them, and the Colts shouldn't manhandle anybody. Let's move right along. To the unless do I have anything? Just a little bit surprised that your guys' coach of the year, Sean McDermott, could lose thirty seven five to the Colts, but you know, we can move on. 
And, and, and you know, the Colts, the Bills defense had been keeping them in games just real quick. So we should give the Colts a little credit for putting up 37 points on that. Uh, the running game exploded. I think I, I had something today that the Colts ran for 100, 220 yards in a game and they hadn't rushed for 220 yards in a game since 2010. Like they have no running attack. It was always just Peyton Manning throws the ball every down. Andrew Luck throws the ball every down. And all of a sudden there's a little bit of that. So. I think if you're the Colts, you know, you're still alive in the AFC South too, because everybody yeah. is, uh, not good. That's a great, that's a great point, John. You were definitely still alive in the AFC South. Uh, by the way, the, um, the line for the Bills next week, <laughs> they're hosting the Patriots. Patriots minus 13. That's not nearly high enough. I'm taking the Patriots. Yeah. The, uh, five best bets. the Bills have like a top two or three offense, uh, defense, excuse me. According to Football Outsiders, <laughs> and they have like, they, had, they have had, a historically, had, yeah. historically terrible offense, yeah. which should come as no surprise given that it's been Josh Allen, Derek Anderson, and Nate Peterman, uh, holding down the fort, so. You know how terrible the, um, the Cardinals offense is, right? Cardinals offense is just awful. Trash. And the Bills offense is almost twice as bad according to DVOA. That's how bad the Bills offense is. The Bills and I would bad. imagine a lot of that difference is Josh Rosen. So. Sure. If you had, uh, if you had traded up to seven and taken Josh Rosen instead of Josh Allen, and this isn't even a knock on Josh Allen. The, you know, the Bills' offensive line is, is horse dookie. Uh, LaShawn McCoy got hurt today, so he had a head injury on Sunday. Kelvin Benjamin doesn't want to do warm ups. <laughs> I mean, uh, it just goes on and on, so. It's a well coached team. Fat, he's getting, the wrecked. defense is on fire. <laughs> I mean. Well, I mean, since, you... since Sean's so busy taking pot shots at us, let's move right along to. I know what we're going to talk about. The Chicago Bears who got blasted by the Patriots 30, I didn't get blasted. It, was, it wasn't as close <laughs> as it looks. So they 30, came away one yard from overtime. 38, you have Kevin White. He's a good first round pick. Speaking the of most smart, Kevin White speaking of, ever. Yeah, speaking it's of. It's his career highlight, literally. <laughs> that's so sad. Uh, 38-31, Patriots beat the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky, yeah, let's check that, uh, 50 times he threw. You're not going to win when he throws 50 times. He looked lost like a child in the woods for most of the day, threw two picks. Had a 69 quarterback rating, though, so that's nice. Uh, Tom Brady, 25 at 36, 277 yards, three touchdowns, no Gronk. Josh Gordon topped 100 yards for the first time as a Patriot. Uh, Sony Michelle was knocked out with a nasty ankle leg injury that might be a high ankle sprain. James White, of course, heavily targeted. Ten targets, eight catches, 57 yards, two touchdowns. Edelman scored as well, and as Sean alluded to, there was a Hail Mary attempt by Mitchell Trubisky, got pressured by Trey Flowers at the end, heaves it up deep, Kevin White catches it and turns, and he's just a yard, maybe like a foot shy of taking it to overtime. Uh, I had the Bears in the Super Contest, so I'm actually sort of annoyed by the outcome, but uh, I'll let you have the floor, Sean, since you were once again, you quickly came to, are the, are the Bears three and three? That can't be right. The Bears are they, in last place in the They are in last place. Wow, that turned on you quick. Last place. They're, they're three three. I, like, I like how you guys think it turned on me when this entire time, while being excited that the Bears are competitive, I was not saying they're a playoff team for sure. You've been uh, slow blocking them, Sean. You you haven't been in, enjoying the fact that they've been good. You've been belly aching about everything under the no, sun. No, I mean I I'm legitimately not upset about this game. It's funny before the season or two weeks ago, if you had said um, the Bears are going to lose the Dolphins and the Patriots, but the loss you're going to be more upset about is the loss of the Patriots at home. Um, this is the loss that's a little bit more upsetting, and like it shouldn't be right because you're losing to the Patriots. The Patriots should beat the Bears. Um. No, the but the Dolphins, difference was Dolphins a week ago. What's that? Dolphins loss was more embarrassing. No, but 
I agree it's more embarrassing, but you emerge from that game thinking, oh, Mitch Trubisky over his last two games, this run for – uh, you know, 670 yards and nine touchdowns and one interception. He actually looks good in his last two games. This is progress. And that, and they lost because they shot themselves in the foot all game long. Um, the Bears shot themselves in the foot again on Sunday, but the disappointing thing is that Trubisky was awful. And I think we're deep enough into the season. I know early on I was saying, oh, relax. It's been two games. It's been three games. Relax. I think it's, I think it's okay to be really concerned about him now. Uh, I think we'll know more about the Bears in two weeks because they play the Jets and the Bills. If they win those next two, they're fine. If if they go one on one, they're alive. If they go in two, they're done. Um, I'm I'm just concerned about Trubisky, and I'm concerned about the pass rush because once again, for a second straight week, Khalil Mack bothered by an ankle injury. Um, they only got one sack a week ago. They got no sacks. This was the strength of the team. Um, when they were in first place a couple weeks ago. Um, and now suddenly when they can't get pressure, their defense looks ordinary. They can't tackle in space. Um, so it's the combination of Trubisky reverting back to his early season form and the pass rush disappearing that has me thinking the Bears are not that dissimilar from like the Browns in terms of every game they play so far has been close. And I think that's exciting and they're competitive, but they don't really know how to win, I feel like. And look, if that's what you told me coming in the year, I'd take it. Um, I think t- today's game was a little bit misleading. I don't think it should have been as close as it was. Patriots were inside the 40 up by 14 with six minutes left, and Brady threw a horrible interception, and that's what kind of gave the Bears life. The Patriots also could have kicked a field goal at the end of the game and said punted for field position, and their punter banged it through the end zone, which kind of gave the Bears a chance for a Hail Mary. Weren't the, just, weren't the Bears up 17-7? You're acting like they came out of nowhere. They played at home. If Mr. Trubisky wasn't hot garbage today, they would have won by two touchdowns. I, I mean, agree. I mean, what well, are you saying? That's you're you're saying like, oh, I hope he plays better, but the defense was out, man, and they were down late. I mean, if you look they at the first down, half. They were down by 14 with five minutes left. The Bears are who we thought they were. They Crown their ass. Seven. They were I mean, up 17-7 to seven in the in like the second quarter yeah. because Cordero Patterson fumbled on the 20-yard line. Um, I had people texting me about the game like, oh, look at the Bears. And I was telling them that this isn't going to last. The Bears aren't going to win this game because Trubisky couldn't hit the side of a barn. And they were being gifted points. The Patriots were so sloppy in that game um, that they were lucky to be up Ted. But also, didn't the Bears kind of gift the Patriots? Yeah, points? exactly. A, a blocked punt for yes. a touchdown, a yes. kickoff. And that, that happened later in the touchdown. game. But my John, what is, I want to know is, what was your exact reaction when Kevin White caught that Hail Mary? I mean, because like when he caught it, you had to think he still had a chance at the end zone. He was right at the one-yard line. Can you reenact it right now for all of us? Um, I can't reenact it. I don't want to blow the speakers. Um, but what I'll say is that <laughs> leading up to it, like I wasn't nervous or, you know, expecting anything because they had no timeouts left. And I didn't even think Trubisky was going to get the ball to the end zone. And then when Kevin White came down with the ball, I yelled just like a really big, whoa. Um, but then the hope dissipated right away. So, I mean, again, like I wasn't even that disappointed because I just, the entire time they had the ball at their own 20 with no timeouts left and like 35 seconds left. Like, I just didn't even think they were going to get into Hail Mary range. They miraculously get into Hail Mary range. So I just, I never felt like the Bears had a chance to win that game. Um, even when they were up 17 to 7 early, because you know what? The next play after they go up 17 to 7, they give up a kick return. Um, for a you're, touchdown. you're a terrible fan. Yeah. Just quit talking. You know about it. Well, you know, I'm a fan of the Bears. I'm a fan of the Mariners. I'm just a very realistic fan and I've had my heart broken. In my younger years, way too many times. The 26. That, Stop it. It didn't get broken into 45 pieces by the Chiefs, Sean. 
<laughs> hey, let me point try out. Being an NC gonna, sta- try mean, being an NC State fan. Brian, Just try it. <laughs> Brian was saying this like three weeks ago about how when we were trolling him that he can't wait and he can't wait until the the Bengals and the Bears lose a couple games and the Steelers are back in first place. Did I say that? Everything has happened as you have foreseen. Well, here's the thing. In two weeks, when you guys lose the Bills, what are you going to do to pay homage to Sean <laughs> that's McDermott? That's yeah. Oh, I, man, that's our Super that's Bowl. That'll be my little point. That, if, if the Bears <laughs> lose to the Bills, and that game, that game's at, in Chicago, I think. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, hey, quickly, let me say two things. It's in Buffalo, fast. my friend. It is in oh, Buffalo. Oh, maybe I'll go to that game. <laughs> so listen, <laughs> according to Sportsline. Hey, Sean, is- uh, hey, Sean, Mr. Coach McDermott, uh, Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports here. Uh, just, our guy of this podcast, Sean, uh, Wagner, something, McTwenty. Yeah, McTwenty. He thinks, he says you're the worst, he says you're the worst coach in the NFL. Any, any thoughts? So listen, according to Sportsline, Chicago is still the favorite to, to, uh, the best chance to go to the postseason in that division, which sounds crazy to me, 55.6%. But if this team wins five games or whatever, or even if they win nine games and, uh, Trubisky plays like Blake Bortles, are we having a conversation at the end of the year what they're doing or they got to stick with him for another year? Because well, he is, they can't replace him because they don't have first round picks. You can sign guys in the offseason. You can do any who, number of things. Who though? But like Joe Flacco, baby. Colin Kaepernick. Oh, uh, that, that is my hell. If we not Colin Kaepernick, but if the Bears sign Joe Flacco, he's uh, such an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky. I'm not even joking. Yeah, but you don't give on give up on a guy who started one year in college and who had a half season with John Fox. You know who that's called? That's called Ryan Tannehill, and they should have given up on him three years ago. I would. Yeah, we're not going to get into a Tannehill argument. Uh, <laughs> Trubisky's was, terrible, though. Right? I don't know. If, Ronnie he threw six touchdown passes. I don't know. The, how, I don't know how to grade him because he's either great or awful. He has no middle ground. And I was okay. Saying, if you take out the Bucks game and the Bucks don't have they they don't have a legitimate defense. When is he being? People are throwing six touchdowns on him on them though. They show us the throw pass. out. You can't just throw out quarterbacks who have good games against bad defenses. That's what a good quarterback is supposed to do. And look, his problem hasn't been tough throws. His he played a terrible missed, defense on Sunday. I agree, and the problem is that he misses wide open throws, and that's why that Bucks game was progress because he actually hit all of his open throws. Uh, he, he, I, I, I really don't know because uh, he looked really good the last two weeks. I don't think Matt Nagy's the problem. I think he's scheming up a lot of open throws. Um, it's it's all Trubisky right now, and I think that's why this game made me think the Bears aren't going to make the playoffs. I don't know what Sports Line says. You have Aaron Rodgers getting healthier. Um, the Packers are probably only going to get better. The Vikings are starting to get better defensively. Um, the Lions, I don't know what to make of them. I, to me, the Bears are just, they're going to be in every game, but they're not going to win all those games. I'll tell you this. If you look at the numbers, and I just did it, just did it really quickly. Mr. Trubisky's right about where Jared Goff was last year through seven weeks, which is not, I'm not saying that he's as good as Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff had a lot more throws, a lot more games, a lot more starts in college, uh, played, you know, in a, in a, Similar style system, but a better system. But if you need more experience, of course, um, I think Sean McVay is a lot better than Matt Nagy. And not, not, not knocking Matt Nagy, Sean McVay is just a superstar. And he's got better weapons around him. Uh, so I just—it's too early on Trubisky. Like it's just too early to know. But we, but we have to jump to these knee-jerk conclusions. And I think Sean's right. Like you, maybe you could go sign a. I don't think you can sign a Flacco. If 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 you ha- you have to try to win in this Trubisky window, I mean, like if Trubisky, because, well, not to mention signing Flacco is going to cost money. I mean, I know it's Joe Flacco, and he's not going to get the twenty five million a year, but it's still going to cost money. And the entire reason they're able to go all in with 
Khalil Mack and still sign Allen Robertson is because they have Trubisky on his rookie window. They have to win with Trubisky on his rookie window for the Mac trade and all those moves to work out. And yep. I mean, that's just the reality of the current NFL. Right, so you have to go all in on these quarterbacks before you know if they're good or not. Because the entire gamble is we're going to hope this guy is good while he's cheap. Right. And if you wait until he proves he's good, it's too late because then you're suddenly paying him already. Well, Ryan Pace is getting fired if Mitchell Trubisky stinks. And yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. Well, I got some bad news for Ryan Pace then. Mitchell Trubisky might be the Sean McDermott of quarterbacks. All right. Let's, uh, let's move along to another game because we have to quickly wrap these up. Uh, this game is actually really important. Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers trailing 17 nothing with 33 seconds to go in the third quarter. And then Cam did that little thing where he shakes his head. And he walks in, and he proceeds, you know, he's like, oh, we're down on the game-winning drive, no big deal. Rips off 21 points in the final quarter to give the Panthers a 21-17 road victory. They improved to 4-2. and They're one game back of the, uh, of the Saints in that division. Carolina playing very up and down. They're, they stink for three quarters, and then Cam lights it up. I think he uh, the final numbers on his uh, drive – were 17, final numbers in the, in the, on the final three drives, 17 of 23, 210 yards and two touchdowns. He was like eight of 16 for 59 yards and no touchdowns before that. Um, they just caught fire and they won that game. What, where do you put this, Ryan? Is this a, or breach? I'll give it to you. Breach, is this a bigger win for Carolina or a bigger loss for Philadelphia? Uh, I think it's a bigger loss for the Eagles. It was a great, great, great comeback, especially in Philadelphia. Uh, and you know, scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter is insane. But you look at the Eagles, you look at the where they, they're at home. They were unbeatable at home last year. Uh, they only lost three games all season last year. And now here we are seven weeks and they're at three and four. And so to me, this is just jarring. If you're the Eagles, what, who are you going to? Where's your confidence? Your offense, you don't have a running game. Your defense, which was supposed to kind of carry you while you don't have a running game. Couldn't do anything, couldn't stop Cam Newton in the fourth quarter after stopping him for three quarters, and that's when you don't want to see your team collapse at all. So it's like, I don't know what my identity is this year if I'm the Eagles, and I think kind of that identity confusion is how they're three and four, and I have no idea where they're going. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they miss the playoffs, which I think is what our Will Brinson picked before the season. Uh, Perfect segue to about the, They had locker room issues apparently after the game. Um they're not getting along. People were clearing out of the locker room, didn't want to talk about it. And there's a whole weird thing before the game with Eric Reed and, and um and uh that was Malcolm nuts. uh Eric Yeah, Reed, that was crazy. Eric Reed went rogue out there too. Like he didn't tell Ron Rivera he was going out there and he stormed out there and like basically called uh like a like a like called Malcolm Jenkins a like a coward and a fraud. It was nuts. Yeah, over the whole social justice issue stuff. But I mean if there if there are issues in the in the Eagles locker room, that's a whole separate concern than what happened in midfield before the game. That's another thing. How are you going to sort it out? I, I don't know what what the answer is. By the way, Nick Foles is another guy that that could help the the Bears win right now. Uh, I'm not I'm not taking the bait. Um, I'll say that I think I'm less concerned about the Eagles just because I don't think the NFC East is that particularly good. So I think they're still alive. Whereas the Panthers are kind of keeping pace with the Saints, and no one's really talking about them. I don't know if they're going to beat the Saints, but they're four and two. Um, I think that Eric Reed signing was really good and just really fortunate that you had a team in your home division, the Falcons, lose your strong safety where Eric Reed could have played, and they decided just not to sign Eric Reed. And a week later, the Panthers need a safety, and he kind of falls into their lap. And it just it kind of pays dividends that 
people did not want to sign Eric Reed for whatever reason. Um, some might say because of his takes on social justice. Uh, but that, that would be the only I, reason. He yeah. had eight tackles today. He was second on the team in tackles. I know tackles doesn't tell the entire story. We had a, he had a he had what would have been a game winning interception, but it got I don't overturned. know how they turned that overturned that. I, I don't interception. Know, it's crazy. So I, I think you add a player like that who is good enough to start in the league. Um, that's just a free gift. And at four and two, like they could win the NFC South still. And I'll tell you this: so two, they uh, play the Saints twice. By the way, in the final three weeks. That's correct. They play the same. They do play the Saints twice in the final three weeks. So if they can keep pace with the Saints. Then all of a sudden you just win two, you sweep the Saints at the end of the season and you win the division. Um, on the Eric Reed thing, I think too it's important that David Tepper signed off on it, like didn't even flinch. He signed off on it. That sends a big message to your team. Hey, we're not run by a crotchety old creepy, uh, 80 or, you know, old, 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 like racist, sexist, um, you know, creep town. I mean, allegedly, right? Gray hair though. Yeah, great hair, great hair, loves sweet tea, loves Bojangles. I don't know. I, just, I think that galvanizes the locker room when you, when you do that and you go out and sign a guy like Harry Reid. Well, you also have Tory Smith coming out and advocating for it. And yeah. most teams, you just ignore that. It's Tory Smith. He's not a big player Jerry, for them. Jerry Richardson asked Cam Newton if he had tattoos, right? And so David, <laughs> David Tepper signing Eric Reid. So let's, he's putting football before all that other business. Uh, on the Eagles, it is interesting to me that they have, after they play, they play the Jaguars, of course, in London this coming week, and then they get their bye in week nine, and then they're going to have uh, seven games after that, or eight games, excuse me. Five of those eight games are division games, but then they have the Saints on the road and the Rams on the road, and then the Texans at home are the other three games in that. They have to make hay in those division games, um, and that's how they're going to flip it. Two against the Cowboys, two against the Redskins. That's going to ultimately decide the division. They already thumped the Giants once. Quickly through this. Oh, yeah, the Rams and 49ers. You might care about that. Rams steamrolled the 49ers, 39-10. to 10. Todd Gurley. If you have a fantasy team and you're not above 500 and you have Todd Gurley on it, you're a loser. Todd Gurley, by the way, as RJ noted in Slack, has more points or touchdowns than the Buffalo Bills. That's right. He's outscoring Sean McDermott, if you want to put it a different way. <laughs> I that was, wasn't going to take that easy hanging. Um, CJ B- Bethard, people ask me on Twitter, they're like, are you pur- do you know his name's Bethard or do you, are you mispronouncing it? <laughs> like, I'm purposely mispronouncing it as Beathard. Uh, CJ Beathard, 15 to 2770, a touchdown and two picks. This game got out of hand early and it, it, it was never close. Uh, a little game that was a little bit closer, the Vikings over the New York Jets, 30 to 7 to 17. Say it was closer, but it didn't sound that much closer. Um, the Jets were actually winning at, uh, at, at some point in this and, and looked okay, but Sam Darnold ended up throwing three picks. Not all of them were his fault. They couldn't get any rushing game going. Latavius Murray for the second straight week had a nice game. 15 carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns. Adam Thielen kept his streak alive. 110 yards on nine catches and a touchdown. Kirk Cousins leads the league in passing attempts. More than age luck. 241 yards and, and two touchdowns. And the Vikings rolled here. Feels like just that the Vikings are starting to get their mojo going. They're four, two and one. Um, they uh, would you rather have them or Green Bay moving forward? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! Uh, uh, Sean pointed this out: if the defense gets right in Minnesota, I think it's hard to bet against them. But you also don't want to bet against Aaron Rodgers. I don't know about that defense. That's the other thing. Their secondary has been sort of exposed in recent weeks. Saints, uh, I think it's Saints, sort of crazy. Saints and Vikings on Sunday night this coming week. By the way. Uh, that, that'll be a huge test, and I think it's actually pretty impressive. Like Case Keenum had a Hall of Fame year last year, we all know that. 
Kirby Cousins came in, and we were sort of wondering how that would work out. I thought that Alex Smith would actually play better in Washington this year than Kurt would in uh, Minnesota. Well, that didn't happen um, for any number of reasons, not all of which are Alex Smith's fault. But Cousins has been balling, and um, that's a huge part of their recent success. They got off to a slow start there, but I think the defense has to get right for them to to sort of overtake the old Packers there. Uh, I think what okay. – sorry, just a kind of fun subplot, of course, was Kirk Cousins turning down the Jets' offer – and free agency, um, and I know there's a story out today, or sorry, in the lead up to the game um, from NFL Network about how the Jets have, are happy that he turned them down, yeah. um, and they're better off without him and all that. Um, and worth noting, in his post game press conference, the New York media asked him about his opinions on the restaurants in Minnesota. Uh, I think kind of venting that he chose a like worse city or worse place to live in. Um, so. What New about, York media really getting at the heart. What are your questions? Uh, what are your thoughts? It's like, man, Minnesota's got good food too. You know what? You know what, guys? Everywhere's got good food now. It's 2018. You get good Mexican food in Canada, okay? Like it's not like you don't. Thanks, need Thanks, hipsters. Yeah, the hipsters have taken over the world. New York always brags like, oh, we got great fried chicken. It's like get the bleep out of here. Nobody wants to eat your fried chicken, New York. Come down south, get some fried chicken. Take you to Popeyes. Final game: Lions over the Jets, 32, <laughs> 32 to twenty-one. <laughs> I had some more, more Brinson anti-New York rants. That's what I want in this I, podcast. New York's That's what worst. everyone wants. New York's the worst. You couldn't pay me to live there. I mean, you could pay me. I would. I would definitely live there for money. But I mean, like, you know, it would have to be a lot of money. Lions thirty. <laughs> Lions thirty-two over, over the Dolphins thirty-two twenty-one. The Dolphins uh, are now four and three. The Lions are three and three. Carry on Johnson with a huge game. Nineteen carries, one hundred and fifty-eight yards. He looks so good. I don't understand why he didn't get thirty carries a game. Matthew Stafford, eighteen of twenty-two for two hundred seventeen yards and two touchdowns. Uh, nobody had a really big day receiving wise for them. Danny Mandola, six catches for eighty-four yards for the Brock Lobster, including a touchdown. Uh, Osweiler actually, that was actually a pretty nice throw. Kenyon Drake scored as well, six carries, 72 yards and a touchdown, 54 yard score. But I mean, that Miami mostly looked, um, overwhelmed here. Anything to take away from this? I feel like the Dolphins could keep sliding. And it sounds like leading up to this game breach that Ryan Tannehill not going to be back anytime soon. Yeah, it does sound like that. And the thing is, I feel bad now because I've been anti Dolphins all year. And so every time they lose, I feel slightly more guilty, even though, like, secretly inside, I'm like, yes, because I was right. But this team is just like, they don't have, you can't lose a home game against the Lions when you're you're trying to get a playoff spot. Uh, It's just a game you can't lose. This is both of these teams in this game. The Dolphins didn't look good in the second half. and, And now they've lost three of their last four games. So it's just ugly. But the Lions... Here's almost about the Lions. This whole carry on Johnson development is just crazy because the Lions never have Matthew Stafford. It is just Matthew Stafford's right arm. That's been that whole offense for his entire career there. And this was kind of the thing I led grades with is that the Lions rushed for 248 yards in this game. That is the most rushing yardage they have ever had in Matthew Stafford's career. Wow. And so, of course, and that's not, even, that's not a super high number. And so, of course, they won. So, you know, I kind of went and said, well, how many – when does Matthew Stafford – what happens when he gets some help on the ground? When the Lions rush for over 150 yards, they're 12-1 and one under Stafford. So it's like he doesn't even need a good rushing check attack. He just needs something decent, and he hasn't been getting that. 
And so if Carryon Johnson doesn't hit a rookie wall in a few weeks and keeps this going, I think this Lions offense all of a sudden becomes one of the scariest ones in the NFC North. And I know you just said, hey, is it the Vikings or the Packers? But if they keep this up, I think the Lions are in that conversation, too. After the game, Carryon Johnson couldn't talk about how much he loved playing in Miami and the heat and the humidity. He went to Auburn. And he was bemoaning the fact that he plays in Detroit where the weather's terrible. Uh, I don't know how the fried chicken is there, but I don't know if their schedule is Brinson, but it, unless they're playing a lot of games in South Florida or Texas or Southern California, I don't know if he's going to magically fix that run defense because he seemed to be like motivated by the fact that it was 95 degrees out there and people were sweating buckets. The, I think we're going to find out a decent amount about the Lions in the next few weeks. They get the Seahawks who, Actually, might be better than we've given them credit for. I mean, they've I been think competitive in every game. Yeah, I think they are a, th- a wild card threat, definitely. Um, they got to go to Chicago for the Bears. Look, they could beat the Bears, but they could also lose to the Bears. They get the Panthers. Um, we were just talking about them, and, and then, Minnesota, and then they get the they get the Bears again, and then they get the Rams. That's a hard stretch, but at the same time, if they go over 500 in that stretch, then yeah, they're absolutely in the conversation, at least for a wild card spot. I really, I have no idea what to make about them. Yeah. Like they've looked horrible and they've looked great. Um, I don't know how much we give them credit for beating, um, Brocktober down there, but I, I, I just, this, I don't know. I, I was saying it before the year. This is the team I don't know. I feel like I don't know the most about and I don't think I've seen anything that has changed this. If someone said before the season, do you, in the first six weeks, first seven weeks, do you think the Lions will beat the Patriots and the Packers? What would you say to that? I mean, they've got and lose a to the solid Jets resume. And lose to the Jets by 31 points. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? And the 49ers. They beat the 49ers. No, they lost to them. They did lose to the 49ers. That's right. I was thinking they beat them. Yeah. So they lost. They lost to Dallas too, which is a weird, weird. That's, and you just, I think you hit the nail on the head. You can't, you don't know what to make them. Cause you look at their yeah. wins and it's like, wow. And you look at their losses and it's like, ooh. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think Matt Patricia was thinking when he was wearing all black jumpsuit? It was 95 degrees on the sidelines. <laughs> Full black beard. You could see like his eyes and that was it. Well, the worst part is he, off the pounds, man. he's been, he's been <laughs> coaching and he's been coaching in Miami against the Dolphins for like 15 years now. In like in the month of in September, October, he knows it's not 30 degrees down there. He forgot yeah. to pack his shorts. He's like, yeah, oh, I gotta I wear the sweatpants again. I guess so. Um, all right. That does it for us this week. Anything you guys want to add? No. We should probably talk about the Chargers-Titans game. I know you were at a pumpkin patch and probably not up. I personally woke up at 6.30 just so I could, you know, watch the game. Wait, what do you think uh, I was, like, asleep at a pumpkin patch? What's that? It was Charlie Brown. I was, I was awake at the pumpkin patch. I'm just saying. I paid $36 know. to go in and do an effing hayride and to get three pumpkins. And you missed your Chargers? I was streaming it on my phone at the at the pumpkin patch. Did they have Wi-Fi or were you just using that? Do you have unlimited data? I have unlimited data. Yeah, I mean, look, I wasn't going to miss. I, my, it was a, it was a, it was a much needed family family moment, and I was willing to go do it. Um, but yeah, the Chargers looked pretty good. The Titans stormed back and had a shot to uh, to win the game, didn't they, Sean? They did. And Mike Vrabel going for a well, let's. They're at the one yard line, fourth and goal, and all of us are saying sneak, 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 and they run a play action pass that doesn't look like it has a shot of being completed as soon as they snap the ball. It ends up working out, and I'll give Vrabel credit going for two. I, I, I like the call. It didn't work out. Uh, but I think you look at it like this. 30 seconds left. If you kick the extra point, for one, we just talked about Justin Tucker missing an extra point. Those extra points aren't automatic anymore. Um, and it's – it's I guess it's not the Chargers, it's the Titans. 
Never mind. Um, but so you kick the ball off with 30 seconds left. Phil Rivers could go and get a field goal um, in 30 seconds. And if not that, then it's coming down to a coin toss. And I don't want to leave it down to a coin toss where if the Chargers get the ball, I would put my money on the Chargers winning the game because that's how good Phil Rivers is playing. The problem I have is the play call on that two-point conversion. They went empty. Um, and, look, I'm really opposed to just running the ball up the middle and jumbo. But you have to at least – say we might run the ball you can't eliminate a run off the bat so the defense knows you're throwing the ball and that that fourth that two-point conversion didn't come any anywhere close to being completed um so i like the decision i know um people were knocking it i don't like the play call though i would say just this for people because a lot of people were complaining they went back to the cbs guys at the studio and to a person cower sims and boomer they were all like this is insane you have to play for the for the overtime Here's the deal. You're the one yard line for an extra point. The probability of making that's probably 55%, probably a lot higher from the one yard line, like low ball and 55%. Are you saying that the, the two, the two point conversion is 55%? At worst case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, it was, that worst... it, was a, it was a penalty that moved it from the two to the one. Oh, so you, yeah, to the one. Yeah, it's probably 55% worst case, right? What's the chance you went overtime against Phil Rivers? It's probably best case 50%. Best it's case. It's the coin toss. It's 50 50. So, well, Phil Rivers probably is a little higher than he was playing. I mean, yeah, Phil Rivers in that offense. They're Titan, pretty Titans, good. Titans have like two offensive touchdowns in like ten quarters. So yeah, it's probably. So like I don't 30%. understand why you want to take it to overtime and the chances. Sean pointed out that the uh, tight the uh, Chargers get the ball first or run it from the one yard line. I mean, they, sh- they probably should have run it instead of passing it. But I don't. There's no math to do there. I know that Pete, our buddy Prisco, was so angry about how that turned out. But I think you do that every single time. It just maybe the play call is not uh, not as terrible as the one that they decided on. I think that, and uh, if you're at the one, line up in a jumbo like Sean's talking about, and just bootleg Mariota. Like if you line up in a jumbo, they're definitely gonna they're definitely gonna the Chargers are gonna. Get, I like Gus Bradley, but they're gonna sell out to stop Derrick Henry running up the middle. So either look at look at what you got coming at you. You either have a sneak or audible to a bootleg sprint right. It's and. I just want to say the Titans lost to a team that was kicking off at 6.30 a.m. on their body. How are you having a team from the West Coast Pacific time zone playing a central time zone? This is my annual time zone complaint. Uh, as for the two-point conversions, though, you know, the thing is they got two looks at it. When you go out there, you're going to run that first play. You get the flag. You kind of see what the Chargers have on the field. And they called two pass plays. It's not like they ran it and then passed it or – it was really two silly calls, which makes it even worse. It's not that, you know, we already complained about that second play from the one-yard line. But when you're saying, hey, look, if we score a touchdown here, we're going to go for two, your offense coordinator has to have some two-point plays ready, and that's what you have. And and then you got another chance after the flag, and then you came out with a worse play? Like, are you kidding me? So, yes, agree. I do love that Vrabel went for two. I'll give him props for that. Uh, but bad play calling. Yeah, and look, uh, go ahead, Sean. I, I just feel like in sometimes in high leverage situations, you should ask yourself, what would the Patriots do, or what would Bill Belichick do? And Bill Be- Belichick is running a Brady sneak from the one every single time, and it's kind of mind-boggling that they're the only team with consistency in a one-yarder inches situation is always running the Brady sneak, and it's almost it almost always works. It's the most effective way to get one yard, and they didn't do that. And not to mention, Breach is mentioning or you get all of you guys mentioned is that Mariota is a mobile quarterback, at least go zone read or something and to go empty and not even give the threat of running. I just thought was so terrible. You're already eliminating, you know, half of the possibilities for the defense. Uh, I know Brenton, you love the offensive coordinator. They're the one that the name we can't, we all can't pronounce, but 
Matt um, Flower. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know. Honestly, do you put it on Vrabel or do you put it on the offensive coordinator? It's the coordinator calling the play, but Vrabel obviously has the ability to override it. Look, here's the bottom line. If the play works, you're like, ah, oh, the balls on this guy. They're huge, enormous. He went to London and went for two late and won the game. What you do is you sprint up there. Once you get the penalty, you need to know that this is the whole thing. Like you need to have a plan in place to act in a certain way when something happens. You sprint up there and you have Mariota do the thing with the Drew Brees jump. Like you jump and just shove the ball over the line, the the, the end zone, and it's a touchdown. Like if you get even a st- just the tip, all you got to do is play just the tip with the ball. You get it over the goal line, and it's a touchdown, and you're walking out of London like a king. Instead, uh, your boy Philip Rivers is going home to spend some family time with his 27 kids on the on the <laughs> bye week. Sean thinks that family time is, means sexy time. Get out of here. Let's Sean. let's look at the evidence. Eight that's, kids. That's what Bruce says. He wants more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Trust so, me, Sean. What, got, what do you think Philip Rivers is doing on his on his two weeks off? I think I think off. his wife's saying, "Hey, Phil, take care of these bleeping kids." Yeah. Well, Phil's I go, yelling at his kids for yeah, a week. Yeah. That's what he's doing. He's like he's taking the kids to the zoo while his wife goes and gets a pedicure and like, gets out of the house for a couple of hours because he's dealing with eight kids twenty four seven while Phil's driving in a van watching tape back and forth to Los Angeles. All right, we got to get out of here. This podcast is too long. Once again, I don't care. Vazer, listen this long, you can suck it, pal. I'm just kidding. These are your best. Uh, for <laughs> Sean J. Wagner, at John Breach, and at a new Twitter handle, Ryan Wilson, CBS underscore 07. Check him out. I'm Will Brinson. Thanks, guys.